<laughs> oh, turn it up. Here we go. Up here with your crew, winning all some view. Everything you love stacked right in front of you. Got your icon pass, powder slash it. 50 plus destinations. Speaking of, did you get your icon pass yet, Sean? I'm on iconpass.com dropping in right now. Wow. From just $2.59 adult, everyone knows you get the best price in the spring. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Okay, done. So pass the good stuff. Yeah, it's the good stuff. Woo! It has been a lot of fun getting to see what you all are thankful for on the chalkboards throughout the church. Last Sunday, they began to fill up, and with Wednesday night dinner and the preschoolers this week, there is not much space left on those boards. Things like shelter, food, us, your pastors, you all, the church, swimming pools, haircuts, and friends have all garnered praise from you. The Giving Thanks boards are a snapshot into who you are as individuals and who we are as a community. While most of us can rally around giving thanks to things like food, shelter, and family, other things on those lists, the individual thanks offered when added to the thanks offered by the community shows just how diverse you all are. In churches, we tend to focus our diversity towards our theology, and lately it seems that things like theology are more divisive than unifying. So to see the great diversity in your lives and then adding it all together has been a great thing to see. And I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to get to see it. We all have different backgrounds, different places of origin. Some are from the South, some are from the left coast, and we even have a few Yankees among us. We drink different kinds of hot beverages. There are those who drink coffee, those who drink too much of it, and there are a few of you in the back row who I see are beginning to fall asleep, and I would recommend you need to drink more of it. We cheer for different sports teams, support different nonprofits and social causes. Some of us go to salons, and some of us go to barbershops. We are a diverse group of people, and yet we can rally around giving thanks. And I give thanks for the diversity of things this church is thankful for. It would have been easy to see faith, family, and friends written 500 times on those boards, and yet you all gave it some thought. And from the handwriting, along with the proximity to the floor, I can tell that the most honest thanks shared came from our kids. For that, I am truly thankful. Well, it is week two of our sermon series titled Giving Thanks. As I just mentioned, you all have done a great job thinking about what you are thankful for. And I look forward to what is shared on the chalkboards over the weeks to come. The lectionary, which is what we use here at Mount Olivet to organize our preaching, has shifted towards the end of times at this point in the Christian year. Beginning last week and continuing through Christ the King Sunday at the end of this month, our scripture texts begin looking towards what will be when the parousia, there we go, a new theology word for us that I learned in seminary, the second coming of Christ occurs The text we just read might seem like a funeral text more than anything else, but it offers us insight into the early church, the theological and political diversity they had, which, like today, caused differences of opinion. Imagine that. 
Christians have been disagreeing on doctrine for more than the past two United Methodist Annual Conferences. On the surface, I wanted to give a sarcastic gee thanks to this text, but if we take a deeper look at this text, we have an opportunity to learn about the early church and the way that Paul addressed this issue in a pastoral letter. The early church was conflicted on things like baptism, the conversion of Jews versus the conversion of Gentiles, and things like what to do during persecution. Was it okay to lie about your conversion to Christianity in order to save yourself, or did you need to fess up and face whatever came your way? These are not uncommon issues for the church today. Who can be baptized and when is still up for grabs? How we welcome outsiders in the community is still a question for most congregations. And when times get tough, we have to discern if the church is really being persecuted or if it is just a time where things are not as easy as we would like them to be. These disagreements were not and are not over little things. They were not and we are not arguing over the placement of the baptismal font, the volume of the band during worship, or whether or not the new associate pastor is completely full of himself. And our text today highlights one of the conflicts or questions. We'll use questions because that sounds more diplomatic that the early church faced. Early Christians, those who converted to the faith within the first generation after Jesus' death and resurrection, fully expected Jesus to return. And because he did not give an exact date, time, or location, it would seem safe, in my opinion, to assume that Jesus was going to return sooner rather than later. If I tell you that I want to grab coffee with you, or that I'm going to come visit you while you are in the hospital, it would be safe for you to assume that we would have coffee with one another before you died, or that I would visit you in the hospital while you were still there. Now, thank God I'm not Jesus, but I think it was fair for the early church to make this assumption. But when they started to die, they, meaning the early church, before Jesus' return, questions began being raised, rightfully, And this portion of Paul's letter addresses those questions. If I die, or my newly converted Aunt Betty dies before Jesus' return, what will happen to us? Jesus promised he would return, the kingdom of God would be fully reigning, and believers, we and them, would be taken with him on his departure. So if someone dies, what happens to them? Do we miss out on the parousia, and at the same time miss out on all the good things that come with that? Are we not fully restored? Do we miss out? Parousia is one of those seminary words that you don't get to use very often, and when you get to use it, you say it as many times as you can. It's part of the larger theology, the theological doctrine called eschatology, or the doctrine concerning the end of times. So the early Christians were not only concerned about what is to become of them should Jesus return after They've died, but they were also raising questions about the end of times. This is some really deep stuff for 11 o'clock in the morning. It's not like the early church is alone in their uncertainty about the second coming of Jesus or the end of times. Many of us have the same question. Many of us have questions about these very topics or similar theological issues, but for whatever reason, we do not seek answers about them, or we choose to do it on our own 
afraid of letting others know that we are questioning an aspect of our faith, for fear that we will not live up to the false expectations we've put on ourselves, because we think everyone else has figured out these questions, and we believe that we are just ignorant for not having done likewise. We place stigma on ourselves. It isn't others doing, becoming afraid of learning more about the faith we claim, and just going on with the notion that one day we will figure it out. And if we don't, it doesn't really matter. Imagine for a second, though, if the churches in the early years of Christianity had done that. Imagine if that had happened in places like Rome, Philippi, and Corinth. Imagine if the early church had thought to themselves that one day they, meaning we, would figure it all out and that for them it didn't really matter. Imagine if people like Paul and John and Luke had not begun to work this stuff out theologically. Well, the bright side of that scenario is we would have less confusing language from Paul, but at the same time, we would not have words like parousia and eschatology. If the early church had taken our cue, Paul would have never broken down the issues like he did in this letter. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, and us likewise, that no matter if it is it is a loved one who died a decade ago, or us dying tomorrow, those present for the parousia will not proceed, will not go before those who have passed. To put it more plainly, should you die before the second coming of Jesus, you will not be left behind. You will experience the grace, majesty, and presence of Jesus in his and in your fullness. This means that we can look to what is to come with confidence, not worrying about what will or won't happen, because Christ has already sealed the deal for us. Christ has already conquered death, atoning for our sins, making us righteous before God, acting as our mediator, and in ensuring that when he comes again in the fullness of his glory, all, meaning everyone, will participate. Regardless if you died yesterday and Christ comes tomorrow, we are assured that through the promise of Scripture and the strength of our faith that we too will spend eternity with Christ. This promise enables us to continue the ministry of Jesus today, despite our theological differences. We can dispute doctrine until we are blue in the face, but it does not erase what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago, making it possible for us to be made whole. It's not that we don't have to worry about the questions the first Christians worried about, because we should ask those questions and use their witness to grow in our own faith. But we can also look to some of the issues raised by the early church and know that some of those issues of doctrine have been worked out through our holy scriptures, the tradition of our faith, and their experience with the risen Christ and fellow believers. We should feel at ease to ask these questions, to wonder like the first church did, and to explore our faith. Our baptism into the life and death of Jesus, which is what our baptism really is, does not excuse us from wrestling with the questions of doctrine like eschatology or even simple things like the Trinity. Now, that was a joke. If you really want to know more about the Trinity and how much that math equation does not make sense, talk to our confirmands at some point this morning. 
Our baptism invites us to ask the questions with confidence, knowing that Christians before us have asked similar questions, and future Christians will ask even more questions. We are not freed from asking questions or wrestling with our faith, but our faith and the faith of the early church strengthens us as we ask the tough questions. We are invited to ask questions like, who is my neighbor? Is there a hell? And if there is, am I going to it in a handbasket? Or here's a really simple question for us to ask. How can I love my enemy? The questions posed and wrestled with by the early church serve as guideposts for us today. And with the ongoing presence of God, we can continue to do the work of God, even if we have not figured it all out yet. In continuing the ministry of Jesus today, we are joining the ministry of the early church. We are joining their work of discernment over doctrine, but also joining in their work of continuing to build the kingdom of God here on earth today. We do not have to wait for Jesus' return to continue his work. We do not have to wait until we learn the meaning of those seminary words I only get to use a few times a week. We are invited to participate in the life-changing work of Jesus Christ today without having to worry about what will happen to us or to those who have gone before. Jesus has already taken care of that by defeating death through the cross and an empty tomb. So in the face of differences over doctrine, politics, and really everything under the sun that we seem to be fighting about right now, We have the witness of the early church and Jesus himself, who invites us to participate in his ministry. And because of the saints who have gone before us, asking the tough questions, we are able to participate in Jesus's ministry without thinking that we have to worry about the same questions the early church struggled with all by ourselves. And for that, I give thanks.